Hello, Cyclocross friends. Thanks for tuning in to episode 241 of Cyclocross Radio. On today's show, we are doing a deep dive into King's CX that took place this last weekend after uh, after uh, stopping by Euro Corner for a little bit. We get all into the racing, a couple more rants and tangents and everything else you expect from a Cyclocross Radio episode, especially in the media pit. Before we get started, uh, as you may have heard, the Wide Angle Podium is being sponsored by Hammerhead and the Carew 2, uh, which is this sweet bike computer. And they uh, sent us all one. We've been playing around with it. And, you know, uh, I, I think Michael actually joked about how it's almost like having uh, iPad quality video on, on his bike. And, yeah, the thing is, like, super clear and it's in color and it's really easy to read. The display is amazing. The GPS is top of the line i think that's one of the features that everybody raves about and it's the type of thing that allows you to get more out of your rides i know bike computers have been around forever but i think the crew 2 is doing some things differently that other bike computers haven't especially with the advanced gps navigation intuitive software that uh let's let's you know when hills are coming and stuff like that it's a, a really cool technology and I, I would love for you to check it out. So go to hammerhead.io. That is the website. And then put in the code when you're buying this thing. Uh, you put in the code CX Radio, and and these guys at Hammerhead they'll send you a free heart rate monitor. You can't really go wrong there. We're saving you money. You get this awesome Hammerhead Carew 2 bike computer. And on us, they're going to throw in the heart rate monitor. So CX Radio, C-X-R-A-D-I-O, hammerhead.io is the website. The links will be down in the show description. Get on that. Also, while you're looking at stuff on the internet, uh, head on over to the CX Hairs Bulletin. Zach has been just crushing it with not only the race reports, but also bike reviews. Bike reviews! we got, like, gear stuff on there. We're not gearheads. It's crazy, but I, I'm, I'm telling you. He just did uh, Lucinda Brand's Trek Boone, and you're not going to find a better write-up on that bike. So go subscribe to the Bulletin. It's $8 a month. If you want to, like, go in for the whole year, it's $70. It's really not that big of an investment for... All of the news you need for cyclocross to support independent media on cyclocross. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this. There's not much out there. We're, we are one of the only shows in town. So support us so we can continue to do this. CXHairs.substack.com. And while you're supporting things, head on over to WideAnglePodium.com. Subscribe to all the shows like this one. All right. We're talking about... Kings CX. We got Michael and Zach. It's episode 241 of Cyclocross Radio, and we're doing that right now. We are back in the media pit to talk about Cincinnati. King CX, and also a, a short trip to, to Euro Corner. But before we get to that, Michael, how's it going? Well, you know, Bill, I'm amused. That's, that's how it's going. I'm amused. Um, I don't really have a pun for you today, 
But I have something kind of topical that I want to I want to touch on. You know, I, I'm thinking that the way Denise Betsima rode this weekend in the ditch, that maybe her team needs to go by Paul Atreides Bingle Spices. Did you just call Zonhoven the ditch? Yes. Dude, you're going to get like, I'm sorry. Like, you can you can direct all comments. That's at land softly on social media. Uh, he is the one who uh, butchered that. What, what does it translate to? Bill, Bill, are, you, are we in agreement that that intro was the pits? <laughs> Nicely done. Nicely done. I'm just waiting until 2023 when what used to be a quip or a one-liner, Michael's just going to be on like these 20-minute rants because he's like, I got the floor. Oh, yeah, I feel like it's going to be like these performant, performative art like intros with like puns and like double meanings and inside jokes and stuff. And it'll take like 13 minutes to, to kind of get to the point. So, uh, yeah, it'll be you know what it'll be. It's going to be kind of the antithesis of uh, the elite women's races this week in Cincinnati. <laughs> are, are you so you're saying those were over fast, unlike Michael's puns? You know what? I think Cincy killed it this weekend. <laughs> there we have it. Let's get started. All right. Let's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> should we start? Should we start? Should we start as we have been doing? Wait. Hang uh, on. In, I have to oh, ask though. What? No, yeah. Okay. It's not. Does it not translate to the ditch to kill? Or how are no, you it's saying? The, it's, it, it translates to the pit. Stupid Google Translate. Okay, all right. I made uh, so I made that mistake my first year at Cyclocross Magazine. I used the same bad translation, and someone was like, uh, "You better fix that." <laughs> it's not. So now, now this all makes sense. All right. Well, let's ditch that <laughs> cold open. Uh, Bill, do you want to start a new one? Kidding. Nope. No, we're ditch leaving it all in. Let's go to, to ditch cross. I mean, I like my Dune jokes, so it's topical. I'm into it. So there was race. I'm just going to jump right in. We were talking about this in the green room, and I, I guess I tuned into the the women's race. And I was watching it, and uh, we covered on our last episode our boy Michael White. He was just you know he was slamming U.S. Cyclocross and saying that uh, you know no one shows up for it. And I think that our Fred, he, I, you may he made a bad decision uh, to choose this week because you have Zonhoven. It's an iconic venue. Uh, we were tossing around the iconic shots of the place literally like 75 belgians deep uh in the pit and uh i don't looking kind of empty these days i mean a lot of people but i mean nowhere near the heyday of 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 belgy cyclocross i think he made a bad choice yeah there were people who made the decision to to stand high up on on the hill to watch the race, which is probably a pretty cool view. But in the past, that decision was made for you because they could have walked forward and been two or three rows back from, from the barriers and seen the carnage of people splayed out, you know, to, trying to, to ride that, that sand descent, which is one of the, I don't know, we could, we've probably listed them in the past and we'll list them in the future. Iconic features of cyclocross is that, that sand descent and is something worth, I mean, is probably pretty cool to be up close on. And this was, if you wanted to do it, this was the year and I'm a hundred percent with you, Zach, it's kind of 
going off what I was saying last week, that let's not criticize American cyclocross or what Americans are trying to do with World Cups without taking a long, hard look at how, how things are going in Belgium. And, and from that, I think that uh, there, is, there is work that can be done on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, so can, while we're on Zonhoven, I want to, I, fr- I forget sometimes which race is which, and I was excited to watch Zonhoven again because we didn't see it last, last season, right? It wasn't, it was canceled. Like, correct. So, you know, you're talking about the iconic feature of Zonhoven being that, like that you do sort of descend into a stadium, but it's also really cool is because then you have to get back out of the stadium. And I was just thinking like, there's, I, I love this idea that like we're gonna throw you in a sand pit, uh, you know, to Sarlacc or whatever. But we're also gonna get you got to get out of the pit. But we're also gonna give you ropes to get out. Like it's like it's like climbing Mount Everest or something. I, I just I like that idea that we're throwing in sort of like other features to help riders, like tow ropes and stuff. And I think that you know maybe at some point maybe you know to to redo Mount Crumpet. You know, we'll 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 sort we'll throw in some ropes. They'll go up the uh, the side that they come down on, and we'll throw some tow ropes down the, down the side of the mountain. You know, like uh, the Grinch is throwing um, ropes down chimneys, something like that. I'm sure you can work in a Christmas angle there. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of I mean they use them right. It seems like they use them kind of for for crowd control. Uh, but I know at least like Betsimo, she was really working the tow rope, and maybe that was kind of like she saved you know just enough energy to kind of drop uh, P- Petersa. But yeah, she was working the tow rope, uh, and you know apparently it's totally legal. Yeah, it's it's amazing. So it seems like uh, I mean, yeah, it just seems like uh, Euro Corner isn't getting getting the oomph uh, uh, that we need at, at this point, which is totally okay. I'm totally okay, uh, kind of shifting gears. But um, should we just do uh, yes, Bill? I I I just want I want to throw this out here. I think the most exciting thing about this race and just this, I'm just picking this up from from our friends at uh, Cyclocross 24, and I think it that this in the uh, riders to watch category the, the the winner of the junior race david haverding's dutch rider you know great he beat some good competition he is coming into the season with some elite level hair and this is right up there this is like beating vanderpool on on the dutch hair meter so i i think that we really, really keep an eye out for this kid, David Haverdings. I think he, him and his, his, uh, his quaff are going somewhere, somewhere big. It's funny you mentioned that. I also noticed that because it was at the bottom of my screen here. So I mean, yeah. Next thing you know, he'll be competing in the uh, the Minnesota State uh, <laughs> Hockey Tournament <laughs> hair contest. Yeah, I, I want to good lettuce. Well, I know. Before we leave Zonhoven, I think it's worth mentioning that we had prime time sort of back in the fold. Um, after her sort of, you know, taking some time off and she had a little bit of a slow start, but worked her way up through the field and then kind of had a, a, a decent little battle or maybe not so much a battle, but caught up to her teammate, the youngster, uh, puck and, you know, beat her at the line to land on her uh, first podium of the year. So that, that was good to see Alvarado back in the mix. And, you know, maybe she's someone who can sort of stop the, uh, unstoppable spicy Betsima. Yeah, it's funny. We 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 put Alvarado sort of almost because her and Worst and and Betsimon Brand were 
pretty much at the front all of last season. I mean, more so Betsima, Brandon Alvarado. And Betsima and Brand, you know, a little older. We, we always sort of put Alvarado into that same, I guess, category maybe with them grouping because she was at the front of these races, still just 23. But we were also looking this year at that at that next generation, all the young guns, the Dutch women who were coming up and thinking, well, okay, when we get back to Europe, is there going to be a reshuffling? Is Are there going to be different different players at the top? But at least for now, we're seeing that it's that's, it's kind of the status quo is happening in, in that Betsima wins, Brand second, Alvarado's third. However, they are there, and, 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 and they are waiting, and they were 15, 20 seconds off the lead. So I, I still think there's an opportunity. So we had Puck Pearson fourth, Fem Van Empel in fifth, Sheeran Van Anroy in sixth, even uh, Inge van der Heiden at 22 and seventh. Uh, the w- first non-Dutch, Lienberquer, uh French, at uh, in eighth place at 18 years old. So even the youngest of the young. So I, I I think it's you know pretty early in the season, and as it goes on, I will bet that 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 second wave uh, of women will start moving their way up. Well, Puck is certainly trying. I mean, she was off the front with Betsima. I mean, it was the two of them at the front, and we've seen her kind of be up there. I think at one of the the World Cups in the U.S. So, I mean, for my, it seems like she's she's definitely willing to to be aggressive, and you know, we always say that we love seeing that. It seems like she just doesn't have the ability to kind of close the deal. She's still off on that race long uh, effort. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the other thing too, I if we're on perfect OPP watch, Betsima is your uh, perfect OPP this season thus far. Uh, guys, my question for you, does Betsima have a better OPP this season than Brand did last year? Oh, because she looks pretty darn good right now. She is on a roll. I mean, I mean she's a hundred percent with the, so let's say that right. hundred percent OPP. Yeah. So save, uh, I mean, take Voss out. She's gone. I mean, Betsima is far and away the top rider in that women's field right now. I mean, she's just, she's rolling. I mean, she won both days this weekend. Uh, she did great at the jingle cross world cup. I mean, she is, she's rolling right now. Yeah. And it's not like we're waiting for someone to enter the field, right? I mean, everybody who's, going to compete as far as we know i mean other than evie richards and you know she's not <laughs> have you she seen, bill, have you seen what evie richards is doing right now on instagram <laughs> bill i don't she think she's living, gonna be competing <laughs> she is living her best life um yeah she she wore out her family with week what one and two of the yachting trip and now she's got her friends in there for like weeks three and four so yeah we may not see evie for a while we got clara getting you know in there but she's already raced in that group uh, yeah, Betsima definitely the one to beat at this point. Um, should we move over to the men? We got uh, Tone Arts. Arts. God, I still can't do it. You know, I was looking back at old videos from, I mean, years and years and years ago, like when Wout was starting. I've always said Art, and then I got in so much trouble because that one video I had people actually watched. So then uh, I was, you know, pounded over the head. I still have to recalibrate to Art. Tone Arts. I mean, as long as you don't call him Tune, I mean, which yeah. I'm sure, and Woot, <laughs> which uh, so many Americans still do. Like, um, yeah, I think that you're, you're you're good, Bill. Tone with the win. Vanderhaar second. I mean, this is, you know, it's uh, uh, our, our boy Ailey in, in third. And then then the return, the return of the uh, of of the man himself in fourth place. Daddy Watts, Lawrence Sweck. 
Yeah, he place. saved saved his legs by not coming to the states to get a big fourth. Big fourth is yeah, Hoven, you know? all Hoven. Oh, it's all worth it. All worth it. Yeah, guys, I have another question that I need to ask you guys. I, it is very clear that Lawrence Sweck has become a media pit favorite. Like we are definitely pro Sweck. Like, is Sweck still a? Is he still? Are we still pro Sweck here at the media pit? Be uh, given recent uh, happenings. Pro as in. Like in your newsletter, Zach, a writer we want to talk about. You know, not necessarily mean that we're the fan or cheering for her to win at every race, but we like what he's doing. And sometimes what he's doing is not much. And but he does it in such a it has such a swackiest quality about him that you just, you know, yeah, I want to talk about him. Lawrence Sweck is the new Tom Mason. <laughs> wow. That is kind of harsh, Bill. Why? Tom Mason for years was always like right there, you know, and then every once in a while would win his race and okay. then would be right there. And that's uh I don't know. But we'll see. We'll see if Sweat we'll, gets back up there. But I think that's I think that's his, his position now. They, I mean, I think it's inevitable that Sweck will win a race. I don't I, I yeah. don't doubt that. I'm just uh but I you know, I'm I I've always been in favor of just the swecky things he does. I mean, he gives us something to to talk about, but you know, I've come to have this affinity for him. I'm just I'm get, trying to get the sense of if it should be more of a, uh, a professional podcaster enjoy uh, the swackiness, or you know, like a little personal affinity for him, kind of rooting for the guy, kind of you know when he gets those dubs, kind of kind of cheering for him. Was on the free <laughs> swack train, so I'll uh, I, I guess personally I'll have to to keep my eyes out and maybe reassess uh, as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that even even when you look at that, you know, uh, Quentin Herman's had a had a moment in the U.S. But right now, you know, back there in fifth place, Michael Van Tornout, same thing. Sixth place. Van Tornout, I think, is is having a slow start. He doesn't yeah. seem it seems like last year he was he was a little stronger. But again, probably too early to say. And then our man Don in, in seventh place. And I don't know anything else worth worth talking about from this or should we just uh move over to cincinnati i'll just say don't uh don't cancel q don't sell on q too quick he finished second at rudervorda so i mean there were two races but he yeah he didn't do as well in the one that counted so don't sell on our man q too much too quickly bill all right oh hey uh really quickly this isn't Euro corner as much as World Cup corner. So in Fayetteville, there was all the the sauce boss was all pissed off because there was a protest against uh, Michael Van Tornout, and they wanted him to be DQ'd, and we had to hold the podium, and there you know, but we never found out why, what was going on. Uh, I now know why he was. Um, they wanted him to be DQ'd. Um, I uh, was actually, I don't know. I don't know if he cares. It was from our friend Josh, uh, who works in the works at Trek and was in was in the pits and actually helped Van Torn out uh, when he got all of the netting stuck in his bike. However, where that work was done was not in the Belgian box, but it was one over in the Dutch box, and therefore it was a violation. And he was getting assistance outside of the box. And that's what they were trying to get him DQ'd for. 
So he was six feet farther down the line than he should have been. Bill, I'm just going to have to jump. This is why people race gravel. You know, no rules, <laughs> no controversy, no rules. No, that would be an unspoken rule on gravel, Zach. You should know right. the spirit of cross is you don't get help from a different country that's just, you know. Can I, who, who is trying to DQ Michael? Can, uh, you, can you say? I don't know. I'm sure it was like the Lions, even though they're on the same <laughs> team, supposedly, in the World Cup or, you know, who knows, maybe another nation. Huh. Maybe it was the US maybe it was the US contingent. I don't know. Somebody who saw it and was actually somebody in cyclocross actually knew the rules, which is rare. And then of course, you know, where we've seen officials like letter of the law everywhere in the US, this time they were like, ah, just get them on the podium, let's all go home. It's raining. <laughs> let's we'll we'll have to table that one because that I think that'll provide an interesting uh kind of corollary or uh, mirror for uh shirtgate which we'll get to uh from cincinnati uh, yeah. but let's let's do it to it michael you let's go right to you and Bodie's broadcast corner we had races seven and eight of the uscx series so we're closing out we've been on a journey got off to a rocky start at rochester but i think you know the general sense is that uh the ship has righted itself and we've been pretty impressed with the broadcast uh what are your what are Hit me with Bodie's broadcast corner for this week, man. Well, I think you just summed it up nicely, Zach. Uh, you know, we started. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, there's not much to steal. I, I just was overly. I was impressed. I was able to watch the races uh, one live and one um, on replay, and the broadcast was good. And we had Bill's, you know, segments in there, and um, you know, it just the coverage was good. They got good coverage. They got cameras. They figured it out. Obviously, it's a, the venue probably. Bill, you would know, is more conducive for the live stream. I thought Jingle and and then, you know, Cincy, the drone camera vastly improved. Um, just the coverage of the drone, just just sort of a little bit closer. We're actually seeing some of the action. We're actually, we're, we're, we're watching the race play out. I mean, that hump at Cincinnati was perfect for the drone because you could see the lines. Um, so just, I just, I was, I was stoked. And I just wanted to say, like, I'm really, I'm really, happy we had this like we have critiqued this and i and i you know critique doesn't always mean you don't like something you know like i, mean, I get critiqued in my work all day long but like it it ended up being a good product i'm i'm, I'm excited we had this series it's sort of you know it, i guess i'm gonna go a little bit to the uscx but like maybe a little more um marketing um towards the series and, and you know just kind of separating it from other series and um but I, overall, I'm excited that it was there. We had it. We had something. The, the writers could talk about it as something they could pitch their sponsors. There's a series. It's on, it's on GCN. Like, all that stuff, I think, is just so good. So I just really hope that we build on it for next year and that, you know, GCN is stoked on what they got. And, you know, we just keep building because I enjoyed it. Even the awkward uh, video podiums that went three, one, two, um, it's fine. I love it. I don't care. Who cares anymore? Fucking do it one, two, three. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, I was having definite fight. FOMO <laughs> being unable to go to Cincinnati this weekend because of my day job. Like, I couldn't make it. Uh, but I was still, I mean, I sat down and I watched and it was great. I watched both days, both races, and it was just, it was really quality stuff. I mean, I thought that. I could tell which camera they were going to jump to, like, you know, from as the races went on. So I think they had like the production dialed and 
you know, we saw two. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, in the, the two great elite men's races <laughs> um, it, that were just I, riveting and they were great to watch and it was super exciting. And I felt like I saw all the action I needed to see to be excited about that, uh, those bike races. And it was it was pretty dope. Yeah, to, to, to finish off broadcast uh, corner, I guess. Um, thank you, Slow Ride. We do a lot of corners now ourselves. <laughs> it was wide-angle podium corner time. Uh, so a couple things here. Uh, one, you know, if we go back and look just throughout, uh, one of the things that is a requirement for these broadcasts and one of the things that all the venues have needed to uh, guarantee that they would be able to provide is a certain level of, cellular coverage because that's how the broadcasts have to fly back up into space and get to Paris so they can screw up the audio for 20 minutes and then on to wherever else it needs to be to go out into the world and be on your uh, devices. When we were at Iowa, the problem was they were promised by the company, the cellular company, that they would have enough bandwidth and then that was homecoming for Iowa football and the women's race was during the football game and everybody on their phone and everything else all of the assets all of a sudden just like shifted five miles east to Kinnick Stadium and they they had nothing I mean their systems were just overwhelmed when the game ended, and I think that was like during the men's race, it like shot back up and it was fine. And Or during the women's race. I'm sorry, because the men's were first. So that was there. When we got to Kings, you you look up from the venue, and this is a weird thing for me to say because I, I just think there, there has to be a better way to do this, and they're not the... It's not awesome to see in everybody's backyard these huge cellular towers, but right there basically on the venue is this enormous cellular tower so we're like we're good to go for this race there really shouldn't be any kind of breakup any any transmission issue so they had that going for them zach as far as um making sense of knowing which camera to go to next i think from a production standpoint that was also the case for the director spotters for this race because Unlike Charm, where it seems like it would be simple, you had one camera or a couple cameras with so many duties that it got confusing because you'd have to like hop from even though it was open thing, you're hopping back and forth from camera to camera, and it just got it just got mixed up where it was going. It was like there was too much switching to cameras that were too close together, and the operators had to be you know zipped around 180 degrees to get the right angle, and it just. It, it was. It seems like it should have been simple. Hopefully, you know they can have more cameras in the future, and they won't have to have so many, you know, angles covered by a lesser amount of cameras, and it'll be a smoother operation. For this one, it was. It it, it just made sense. You know, they come off the start. It makes sense. This camera has it from here to there. The next camera has it from there to there. The drone picks them up to move them over to the next section, and then and then you're back. So it was really really easy to. To make that coverage. And I'm really glad that the series ended in not Cincinnati, not even Mason, Ohio, which it comes up on the website, but in Deerfield Township. Talk about a need for spot for, for marketing. Deerfield Township sponsors this race, yet everybody calls it Cincinnati. Uh King CX in Deerfield Township. 
Um, the, the, the venue was, it, um, it, it was the perfect ending for this because it was a great product and it sort of is a good, a good momentum builder for next year. And yeah, same thing, Michael. I hope we can uh, build on what, what we did this year. A couple things on that one. The, uh, the the no cellular coverage is a very real thing. I remember going to Badger games at Camp Randall with 80,000 people and just being like, <laughs> forget it. By like my, my first year of grad school, I was like, you're not sending texts. Just forget about it. Um, we did benefit, though, that the, you know, the Hawkeyes, of course, choked uh, at home against uh, the <laughs> inferior <laughs> uh, Purdue Boilermakers. So I'm sure some folks went home early. And so maybe we got a little bit of benefit um, from that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, we called Cincinnati. And honestly, that's part of why I didn't even bother trying going is like, it's like an hour drive to the airport or something like that. And I was just yeah. like, there's no way I'm putting this on Bill as we're trying to make content to be like, hey, Bill, I need to get to the airport to get back to work on Monday. So I was just like, threw my hands up. Uh, I was like, not happening. Uh, we're not doing it. Uh, so yeah. Uh, but I guess since we're doing broadcast corner, I think this is a good place to, to cover Shirtgate. Uh, local local hero uh, from here in Minneapolis, Josh Bauer. He's a character. He rides with the safety pizza. He's got ginger hair, great you know mustache or whatever. Like just very colorful guy. Um, and he likes to race in t-shirts. Uh, which, you know, I love it. It throwback to the traditional cyclocross, you know, vibe, like just uh, wear what you brung and, and all that. So he wore a T-shirt on on day one and the UCI commissar told him, son, this race is on TV in Belgium. Uh, you cannot wear a T-shirt on Sunday. Uh, and he did not. He wore a regular cycling kit under under protest. I think they literally weren't going to let him race if he ra- showed up on a T-shirt. I don't think there's any rule that says he can't. The only thing he can't do is is race without sleeves. Right. And they've even been kind of lax on that this year. So that's that just seems insane to me. I, I, Did he say, hey, it's a technical tee? I don't. I, he he always has a story. If you follow him on Instagram, every T-shirt actually has a story, and he'll tell the story of of his uh, of his T-shirts that he's wearing. So I, I don't think it was, um, but yeah. So they were saying it because it was on Eurovision. I think both days were on Eurosport. I, I don't know if this snuck in, but it definitely the logo was in the upper right corner for the Sunday race, and so it was kind of like, hey, for like the eight people you know in Europe, they're going to watch this. Like you know, you, <laughs> Mister, kind of midfield back marker like don't make us look bad so uh i don't know i mean i would have I, I think it's awesome like i think that's part of american cyclocross I, I think it's cool that there's people in elite races that can do that and i'm all for you know if you want to show up like i know you know the old flannel shirt when it gets colder or something like i i love it i mean i think that's a very american uh thing and as we saw with the the high fives becoming a thing like as much american stuff that we can do in cyclocross i'm all for I'm I'm looking at the list of the men in the men's race, and I'm 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 thinking how can we get the T-shirt farther up in the field? Um, and so I'm Tobin or- Tobin Orton Blad, I'm looking at you. I could see you rocking the sleeveless uh, flannel uh, in a race. So bring it, Tob Tobes Tobin. Should we talk about the racing that yeah. actually occurred, guys? It was really uh, good. Uh, should we? Uh, where should we start? <laughs> I, let's just start Saturday and let's uh let's let's talk about the pra- practice race. Okay, should we just go in order? Yeah, let's simulation go in race. Oh, I'm sorry, not practice race. Race simulation. 
Yeah, so we had uh, Claire Hansinger was, uh, she was, I was mistaken. She wasn't on the plane yet. I think she got on the plane on like Monday uh, to head over to, to Europe and she's going to be racing until nationals. I'm pretty sure her and Katie Klaus both went to Europe. Uh, as far as I know, I talked to Stu and he said that they're not going to be doing Pan Am. So she's, she's there for, is that like um, six weeks, five weeks, six, it, a good chunk of time. Like, I think that they're going to be over there. So they're starting with World Cup over ISA. Um, which left really Magali Rochette, and uh, I don't know if she'd take offense to this, but you know, one of the other top riders was our friend, uh, old lady Carolyn Money. I think is one of the other, you know, threats to to kind of stop her, and you know, Money got caught in a bad place and uh, didn't. Uh, but so I guess the, really with this though, the rider to talk about making a name, uh, you know, you talk about like getting points and moving your way up the grid. Uh, Sydney McGill, another Canadian. Um, she'll definitely uh, probably be making an appearance in the bulletins. Uh, Blame Canada A gimmick watch this week, but she finally got enough points to get that front row start. And she she was like the co-hole shotter on, on Saturday. Um, but then Rochette went, you know, kind of went first. But McGill held her wheel for an entire lap. Kind of impressive. Yeah, she was a rider that I, I had heard of. I knew that she, you know, I think just from Team Canada, but never really had, um, I think, on anybody's radar, but just coming out strong. You know, she was looking, I think we, we had seen her in other races because I was always like, you know, because we have Crystal Anthony out there riding in the live kit. And I was always like, who's who's the other person in the live kit? And it was always kind of confusing. And now, 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 now we know. I mean, I think like part of the story for me, I mean, obviously Rochette won, right? Like she, she was dominant. She did her simulation race. Uh, things went really well, upping the speed until she slipped out at the end of the, the final lap, you know, but she, she took the win and that was kind of her plan. But it seems like uh, a couple youngsters uh, getting in the mix. I mean, another one worth talking about is uh, Lindsay Gonzalez. Uh, a little bit took me a second because she was racing in her Marion University kit, but I think that she's you know, a rider that we've had our eyes on and uh, she rode well. I think she finished fifth yeah, on yeah. Saturday. Uh, and then Maddie Monroe, I mean, we'll talk to, about her more, I think, on Sunday. But did she also get in that top five? She's ninth on Saturday. Okay. So she she bounced back. So it was kind of, you know, this opportunity. I think we said that going into this weekend that it would be kind of like this opportunity for other riders to kind of have nice results. And, you know, Mani in the end ended up finishing second as we kind of expect her to do. She called on, you know, her watts. Uh, that's what Sydney kept saying in her interviews is that uh, too many watts that, that Mani had. But Caitlin Bernstein also making the most of her trip to Cincy. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, taking that fourth place. So, I mean, it's, you know, at the front, but like, you know, we've been talking about the midfield. I think this was like the ultimate midfield race and an opportunity uh, at a C1 to kind of get your name shouted out and in McGill's case, get on a podium. Yeah. And I think going forward, the midfield is going to be, you know, what what we have in the, in the women's race, you know, starting, starting in Indy and, and, and moving on. I think that Magali is, I'm not sure how many weeks they're taking off, but definitely shutting it down for a little while. We got Clara in Europe. So, um, you know, Becca headed home. She's still having concussion repercussions. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, speculate, but I, I don't know when, when we'll see her back, if it's going to be Pan Ams or, or before. And, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of a, kind of a wait and see to see uh, what's going to happen in that women's field from here on out. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I mean, they were saying on the broadcast, I think Rochette is going to be going to Tabor. So I think that one is on November 14th. So she gets a little bit of a break. I think a lot of people (laughs) need a break after the cyclocross stage race of America that occurred. Um, So yeah, I mean, I think that for me, that's kind of the takeaway. And we'll talk more about it on uh, Sunday. Um, So uh, any other results that kind of like stand out to you guys from that Saturday race uh, for the women? Not specifically. Let's move over to that men's race. Whew. Oh, boy. <laughs> wow. Uh, that one was... Uh, we used the term a lot, banger, Michael. Was I, I feel like it was, a, it was a banger. You know what? This one... Yeah, we, we got to see what it looked like um, when the spoilers weren't here. The ringers weren't ruining the fun. Um I don't know. It was like one thing about since it was also cool is that you had the wait, 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 hang on. Are you saying go home, Belgies, and save some points for the other riders? Of course, yes. <laughs> okay, just make I just want to make sure that's where we're going. No, Continue. I mean, Vincent, come or not, whatever. All Vanderpool, come. But you know, like I I forever have been like, you know let's 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 american cyclocross doesn't have to be like belgium and so maybe the american cyclocross men can't compete at the very highest level in europe but they can still put on amazing races in the states and we should enjoy that celebrate that and want to watch more of it so i don't know i was stoked to see all these guys go at it i also like the different conditions saturday was dry sunday was wet um I got to say, I really like the Cincy course from what I saw and just watching the racing on there. I cut my teeth uh, in cyclocross on an old golf course. So, like, it just it feels like coming home to me, like, just pretty flat. But, you know, one little feature, you know, just it's a vibe that I get down with. And I like that course. And I like how the fact that just a little, that the water changed it so much and made the racing different. But I did Saturday was fast and speedy and I like that kind of racing and that was I mean I got a notes here for one I think it's like sixth lap six there's like so many things that happened in that one lap it was it's kind of like I had to stop my replay watch to like write it all down just to be like was there really four lead changes in the lap I mean Zach what what how are we doing are we doing like a blow by blow or like because there was so much that happened in this race I mean, I was probably doing my notes as well. Uh, I mean, I do want to touch. I, I actually don't. I, I don't in any way begrudge, you know, Vinny coming over. I will say it was unfortunate because it has been the position of uh, Zach Schuster and I think really the media pit in general that uh, elite men's racing in the U.S. has just been so good since maybe two, mid-2018. Uh, it's just been phenomenal. Uh and I, I think we missed that a little bit. You know, we got to see in these battles for second or third, maybe some of these great races. But finally, uh, we g- got our men the chance to put on the show that we knew that they would. Uh, and they delivered. I mean, it was like to start to finish. There was so much uh, going on. And I mean, I, spoiler alert, it ended up being uh, Kerry Werner and Eric Brunner. And I, of course, Michael, I have to ask you, uh, Brunner got a shout out in the uh, Bulletin Weekend Preview. Does, is this the latest example of of the uh the bulletin bump being real this is for sure an example of the bulletin bump yeah zach you 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 know your riders and uh this is why people subscribe because a lot of people are probably saying brunner who 
But Zach, you knew. And someone's be like, he won national championship. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, you're not wrong. Uh, so, I mean, how I feel, I mean, I think part of the narrative, uh, I, I, I did it to carry. I actually counted one too many when he finished second at Charm City. Like, I had, like, done five, and he's like, wait, is it really that many? And uh, it turns out it was actually only four. But, like, he coming in had finished second five times. You know, what does that do, uh, you guys, t- to a, guy, a rider's psyche? I mean, because he's racing great. You know, he's been super consistent. He's only had one bad race. But uh, does that start to wear on you i mean that that it just becomes that monkey on on your back uh and i just kind of wonder how that affected him in that that duel against brunner i think that he has the advantage of in this scene having won a ton of races so it's not like he's a rider who has never won and just keeps finishing second i i I, i'm pretty confident in carrie's makeup that it didn't get him down as much as it just kind of pissed him off and that, that, you know, it, it, it would change eventually, but it also probably led to him pushing a little and pressing a little on that last lap, you know, and he, he didn't, he didn't, he, he was not the aggressor when he needed to be. And it didn't play, it didn't play into the strategy that he wanted and he knew it. And he had to he had to try to to pull pull a shelter coming coming around the uh, the end of that race. Yeah, so I mean, I thought that was interesting because he was though he made a super aggressive pass about halfway. So we knew that like half that lap, we were just like, all right, chill, like things are not going to happen. But you knew that it was going to ramp up, and he made like a pretty baller pass on Brunner. But you're right, he kind of fell asleep like and let Brunner just put in a dig and get past him when I think maybe needed a little bit more sense of urgency a la Fluky uh, to to deny each corner or whatever. And it put him in, and you could see him. I mean, the, the coverage was great. We we're getting the drone. You could see him trying every, I mean, I mean, actually I loved, I said this in the green room. One thing I loved about the drone footage was watching, you get to see Kerry Werner take lines and how Kerry Werner races like from the drone footage. And it's just fascinating to watch him. Cause he's like, wow, like he's just trying all these different lines from everyone or Sven back in the day. Um, but you could see him just frustrated, trying everything he could against Brunner and Brunner to his credit was just shutting it down. Brunner's like, Nope, Nope, not happening. Nope, Nope, Nope. Uh, and it came down to, uh, one, one last corner. Yeah, and, and it was the the planks, and it's interesting. A, a couple things about about Cincy that are almost guaranteed. One, somehow they're able to dial in this weather combination where they have one dry fast day and one wet sloppy day. I think for a couple years they, they changed things up a little bit this year. Usually, I think in the last past few years the wet day was on Saturday, and then the sunny day was on Sunday. This year they they mixed it up, so that was nice. The second thing that you can almost set your clock to is that the barriers are going to play a part in the men's race on the last lap. We saw it, I think, with Gage and Kerry in the past, even maybe possibly Curtis and Kerry on one of those days. And then and then this was the, the ultimate where they're coming around that corner. They're going in there top speed and Kerry knows he has to ride. He can't dismount. Brunner didn't dismount either, right? Brunner rode them. Is that correct? Brunner was Brunner. He went wider right though, so it was a left hand turn yeah. wider. Brunner that, was and, hopping too. Yeah, and but Brunner had the line. This was a fast line where you needed a lot of space to 
to to go in there. So he had to go in this angle. He had to keep it wide. Carry, he, he, there was no room for him to do that. So he had to come in really tight, sort of the, go right next to the to the the post on the left side of the barriers. And he just made it over the first one and knew that he wasn't going to make it on the second one and kind of, you know, hesitated in the middle. And it was just a disaster. Went over his bike. He was carrying so much speed through there. And and that was the race. You know, that was it. But holy cow, what a way to end. I mean, if you're going to go out, go out trying. And and he pretty much gave everything he had. There was nothing else he could do. If he follows him, you know, you're getting on the wheel of a guy who is is a elite sprinter, uh, heading up that final stretch. Yeah, you know, it's like it's all all carries uh, Kurt Racing this summer. He he dove that inside corner, but instead of just pedaling through, you've got to hop a barrier. Um, so I, I I misspoke earlier, and I forgot that in the men's race, it started to rain during the middle of the race or like at the beginning of the race. It was it was dry for the women's race. Okay, so th- I forgot that that was a factor, that it did kind of become a little bit wet. And then there was a whole, like, thing in the middle of the race where they're all trying to pit at various times. And, like, Curtis is not pitting because he started on Griffos. And all the guys who started on Slicks or, you know, Files were, you know, having to pit. And that's sort of the interesting dynamic of the changing conditions um, turned Yeah, in. there were people running back to the cars and vans and tents for mud tires. There Because was- there was, like... Bring bring the dries, bring the mids. And that's all everyone brought. And they were like, there's no way we're going to need the muds. And they, it got to like the second change and they were like muds. You know, people were just yelling muds. And the, you saw guys just like sprinting back. And and the, the thing was this year, the pits were much farther away from the team tents. So it was, it was a haul. Like I got there and I joked that I was going to like go hire a quad and just give like shuttle rides, like charge 20 bucks for shuttle rides for mechanics, (laughs) because it was a, it used to be team, team row. And then you walk across a little field and you're in the pits in the pandemic. And it's pretty cool. Uh, the, there were these conservation groups came in there and there is now this wildflower sanctuary and butterfly sanctuary that has kind of propped up in the middle of where the pits used to be. So that whole area was a no go zone. So they had to to move the pits and it was just, I think logistically they'll change up where tents are next year, but this year it was, it was definitely a haul from one to the other. So there were, there were, there were mechanics that got their workouts during that men's race. So that maybe explained why when Curtis was trying to pit at some point, his, mechanic was doing the x like don't land the plane like you can't come in like you got another half lap to go that i had never seen that before well and it seemed like that played kind of a factor because when the rain happened uh carry ate it he went into the course tape and then brunner ate shit behind him trying to avoid carry and curtis had a gap i mean like he he had a lead off the front during that kind of crazy and they said it was they said it was just crazy, like trying to ride on that. I mean, it was super slick and whatever, but it seemed like some of the pit mishaps kind of slowed Curtis up um, and, you know, dealing with that. Maybe he got an advantage because uh, he didn't have to pit right away. But it seems like he was unable to exploit that as he may have on a dry like we saw it go cross, right, where he attacks like early on and then just rides away uh, from from everyone. So. 
Uh, it made for definitely a, a more interesting race. And as we, you know, uh, Curtis White still does not want to see one. Yeah, Brunner. Brunner. Brunner wins before Curtis wins. And just to, you know, to say, like, Brunner was, he showed that form in Jingle Cross. We knew that he had the engine to come back. But, dude, he was on one in that race, literally just drilled it at the front for the first two laps. And there's something I, I noticed, and it might just be an optical illusion, but I swear that Brunner, it was on 40 centimeter bars, uh, just so arrow uh, on that course. And in the turns, and you've got like Kerry Warner, like in comparison is on like 46s, kind of like a sort of distinctive, like, you know, I don't know, road, Brunner roadie really. And, you know, uh, carry the mountain biker. But that was I thought that was pretty interesting to see. Yeah, he does run really narrow bars. Um, Kat Nash does too. I asked her at Jingle Cross. I'm like, are you running 46s? But like, I couldn't tell because, you know, she's much smaller. (laughs) Like, you know, they look big, but Kat Nash also runs like really, really, really wide bars. But I've noticed that about Brunner. He just gets in that tuck. Yeah. Uh, And I think there was that one point where, where Lancey Pants was six. So six guys. Lancey Pants ran the barriers. Brunner attacks up that fly. It's like kind of right bill and uphill. And it, they dropped Lance. Like Lance just got dropped because Brunner just turned up the heat. Uh, and, you know, and I think uh, Strohmeyer ended up getting dropped off too eventually by Brunner because Brunner was just like, I'm just going to drill it. Uh, y- you know, um, and Brandon Fix had a nice race to his credit. He kind of hung in there like we saw at day two of Rochester. He kind of withstood the early the early stuff. But I mean, yeah, I, I, it's almost like uh, one of our standouts though, Strohmeyer, a great race from him. He finishes fourth spoiler alert, not even his best result from the weekend. <laughs> yeah. He's, he is someone who loves, loves this course, you know, uh, him and uh, Magnus in 2019 had one of their many, many battles in there. And it was a, it was the same sort of thing. I think he, uh, may not have gotten him on the dry day but then the wet day just you know it's so like right in his wheelhouse that he was able to to do well but it was cool it's really cool to see uh stromar get another fourth place in this against uh, i think probably a better field than he saw at, at go cross so um you know first year elite youngest guy or one near the youngest guy in the field and uh sort of you know i think he was more accepted this time up there than he was in go cross where people were a little you know who's this kid. So I think he's finally kind of earned his stripes. Yeah. I mean, we had most of the the hitters there, I think with the exception of maybe gauge. I mean, he's the one that's been kind of like showing out and doing well. Uh, Tobin too. He's one that the Bolton has right. Sixth place. Not bad. Uh, he's finally getting those, those starts uh, up closer to the front and getting some, you know, first, first row start worthy results off the second row. So, I mean, and he, he looks strong. Like I think we saw in previous years where there was just something off. Uh, so it's good to, you know, regardless of results, results, just see Tobin look like Tobin and, and strong racing his bike. Well, yeah. Uh, before we move to the women's race, I just want to follow up a little bit when I was talking about the changes to the course with the pit, a couple other, this has always been a great layout, uh, Jerry Hayes is the uh, course designer and very meticulous guy, very just, you know, looking at everything. And a couple things that they did differently this year in the past, one, they had to move the pit and that sort of made some other changes possible. They had that new section, the drop section, which you had the stationary um, camera back in the woods and you got a little bit of a look at it. They were trying to make it so you could 
see back farther for the whole sort of swoopy single track section. The problem was there was that tree right in the middle, and there's just <laughs> no way to get Dead around center. it without out and not. Yeah, but without an operator there, it was just like there was it was you know there was no good looks, but that one at least gave you um, that swell at the bottom where everybody was uh, having having a difficult time. So that's, but that was a cool little section that came up, and then what I loved about this track is that you always have the the camel hump you know you have the two sides of it and this year in 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 years past they they've they've kind of done what i think we've seen at every other course where they kind of constricted it a bit you know and this is the this is where you're going to go and this is your line and you got another little line here and, and they kept it pretty wide but not like this year where it was just like completely wide open you know you could you could just, uh, when it was rideable on Saturday, if you wanted to go low and ride down the fence line at the bottom, you could. If you wanted to try to like kill some of your speed but stay high, you could do that. Uh, it was, it was, it looked like the, it reminded me of Neil, the ra- that race in Neil, the Mark Across um, race that used to have this huge off camber that was like taped at the highest part and the lowest part. And then you just got to do whatever you wanted to do in the middle. That's kind of, kind of what it reminded me of. So they had that change perfectly symmetrical on either side of it. It was pretty cool to see from above. And then the, what they called a debacle in the back in years past, it used to be just like a 180 and you hit it just straight up. And it was just, just this run up and it wasn't, you didn't have to think about it. It was, you know, uh, some people could ride it, but most likely you were just getting off your bike and running it. And there was, there was no strategy towards it. You just got off and run, you know, most likely you stayed near the tape and sort of pulled yourself up a little bit on the fencing this year. You're coming in the other direction from it and you're having to go around it. So it's just this big off camber. And it really, it was really cool. Like Saturday, everybody was up high. That's where the line was Sunday. Everybody was down low. Cause with all the mud, that's where the line was. So you really had to think about what you wanted to do. And if you got it wrong, you were spending 15 seconds back there trying to get your footing and trying to get up that feature. So they, they, they took a great venue and a great course. And I think really uh, made some cool changes this year that, that Im- improved the racing immensely. Yeah, I'm very pro old golf courses. I mean, I feel like those are a venue that are just, to me, seem tailor-made to be like, hey, you can kind of carve some features out. You can wreck stuff. Like, you have sand. You have undulations. On this one, you had a great feature that gave you elevation. Um, You know, we saw this in Chicago. We raced at the same abandoned golf course three weeks in a row in 2019 because of weather, and we we trashed it. It was just, uh, you know, a mess, and so I don't... I'm very pro looking for venues like that where maybe they don't care as much. Um, They do now with the Butterfly Sanctuary, but they still have a venue where they can create actual features on their course uh, instead of it just having, you know, and this is at all levels. This is going down to local racing where you can actually have some like legit cyclocross features instead of it just being at a park. You know, and it's the same thing that happens when you have mountain bikers that go out there and spend all of this time and all of this money and all of these weekends and volunteer hours to make these beautiful tracks. And then the equestrians come in and go, oh, these are beautiful tracks. They're ours now. And then you have this big fight between horses and bikes. The same thing happens here. Like nobody gave a crap about this, this land until the they started having cyclocross practices there and they started grooming everything and they started looking really nice. And all of a sudden they're like, Hey, this is, this is actually sort of cool. Maybe we could do something else with this property. And, and thankfully, thankfully you know, the tree folks are going to be in. 
Exactly. But thankfully, you know, they, they have people, they have people politically positioned in committees on for that town and for the park service where they are at least for now protecting, protecting the bike riding that, that, you know, helped. And, 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 and that was kind of the thing I was talking with some of the folks and I'm like, yeah, you know, parks are awesome. It's awesome to have these areas, but they're also for recreation. And, And this is a place where, you know, like the Lion Hearts Club is out there every week and that's where they have their practice you know they, they were talking about like luke steerwalt who's ridden that course like nine thousand times you know then so that's that is important too in city parks i guess is is what i'm saying is that you know as much as having a place to walk your dog and having a place to go have a picnic having a place to do an activity like this is just as important back to the racing sunday I thought it was it was one of those situations where I you know everyone on Saturday was like the rains during the post race interviews. There's rain coming. There's rain coming. But we uh, we've we've seen that before. Sometimes it doesn't happen. But you know the weatherman was correct this time and it delivered. So Bill, when did it rain? Like what kind of rain you know were we getting? Give it to me in Forrest Gump terms. You know was it rain coming up from the ground? Was it hard stinging rain? Like uh, give us the give us the Forrest Gump take on this rain. It was, Bill doesn't have to be there before the elite races rain, so I'm staying in a nice, warm, dry room until I need to leave. It was pouring down rain. I mean, it was it was rain that, you know, was hitting the ground and bouncing up seven feet. I mean, it was just nuts how much <laughs> rain was falling. Like those, those amateur races were just like, just so awful. And it did, and I was watching the radar, and I was like, okay, there's another little blip. And it set up to my absolutely favorite cyclocross conditions. They were the same conditions we had at uh, Jingle in either 2018 or 2019. It might have been 2019. Sloppy, muddy, gross, and sunny. That was day three in 2019. Yeah. 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 And, and and it's stink. I mean, if you're it's the type of thing that this is the difference between me, I'm not going to say all photographers, me personally and and like a racer. It's better for the racers if it's pouring down rain. Like the earlier races, they weren't changing bikes. They didn't have to. There was no need. There was no mud getting caked up on bikes. You just went around and all everything just washed off the bikes. The bikes were you know, more or less clean other than grass and stuff that would get stuck in there. Once the rain stopped and it was just mud, it was awful because it's just clay and it's just like clomping onto everything and there's no water to wash it off. So that's, you know, that definitely as a racer, it stunk. As a photographer, awesome. Love it. Well, yeah, but like as a photographer, you're looking, you know, as a racer, I, I guess you see these situations, you're looking at maybe losing a rear derailleur. Um, this was, oh, that was Jingle Cross 2 in 2016 on Friday night. Same thing happened. Like, there were literally, like, they ran out of derailleurs at bike shops in Iowa City because somebody got broken. But you're looking at, like, four to $8,000 of equipment potentially getting ruined. So I'm pro, as a, a photographer, these conditions as well, in part because it's just so hard to protect your equipment. And you're potentially looking at losing literally thousands of dollars to shoot one race. Yeah, I mean, it, it can rain, but just like it missed or like or it just needs to stop at a certain point. You can't rain hard the entire time. 
that's so that's how trek was on on sunday during the men's race like none of us were prepared none of us really freaked out though because it was misting like we were you know i would say most of us were didn't have rain jackets on for the most part and it it was fine it ended up being okay but let me tell you uh, what happened misting let me tell you what happened three days later Oh yes, and I heard that that was no fun. <laughs> no, Fayetteville stuck. That was a, that was exactly. I was looking. I was like, I don't want another Fayetteville because Fayetteville was one of those things where you got to the venue and you saw the storm rolling in. So you had like an hour just to sort of hang out and get ready and prepare and everything. And then it was just sheets of rain from beginning to nearly the end. I think the last lap we didn't have rain, and it it wasn't fun. Let's talk about racing. All right. Uh, so we had some uh, intrigue at the start of the elite women's race. We So we had a wire-to-wire win on Saturday. Rochelle ended up taking the whole shot, led the whole way. Not a wire-to-wire win. She slipped her pedal, uh, and she was not first. So Sydney McGill took the whole shot again. I counted, though. I looked. I zapruded it. It took 19 seconds for Rochette to take the lead. I was going to say, I was looking. I know you said that. And it's one of those things, too, when you're cover- when you're watching the race versus trying to photograph the race, you, you just sort of get bits and pieces of it. You know, there, there are certain racers that I am, I have to follow and, and they may not necessarily be at the front and may be at the middle or whatever. So you're sort of concentrating on where your riders are versus what's happening in the race. And I, I had no idea what happened to Rochette at the start. So when I read your race report, I was like, Oh, really? I had no idea because when I saw her, she was in the lead and I just figured status quo. And that's what that's I, again, that's love having these. I'm, I'm kind of bummed. We don't have more live streams the rest of the season. I mean, it's been amazing to be able to tell the story of North American cyclocross like we can do for a Euro race because it's all broadcast because you're right. You're you're getting those bits and pieces. You're not breaking down individual features unless you happen to be there. You know, you're only getting like oh, I saw him at this point, and I saw him at this point. So I think, yeah, it's really neat. But, uh, you know, long story short, she gets to the front, and she just she kind of took off. Um, I will say, though, I you know, Mani, in her interview after Saturday, she was kind of lamenting. Her, she had a bad start, and she couldn't get kind of flowing. Felt she was a little bit further up this time. You know, she was third, then moved into second. So I think she was in a position, you know, she was saying, oh, I wish I could have followed uh, Rochette's wheel. Uh, but then she kind of blew it. <laughs> Uh, she, I don't like slipped out and fell all the way back to, to fifth. So I was just, I felt like I needed to razz her a little bit. Also my race report after, you know, she was lamenting not being up there, but, uh, yeah. So that's my little, that's my money razz corner <laughs> for the day. And then you had Maddie Monroe, Bill. I mean, one of your athletes you're shooting for a big third place. That was yeah, but she didn't start there, right, Zach? I mean, she had uh, she kind of had to earn that. She was she was sort of pulling a little group up up there, and I think when Manny fell back, and then Raylan Nuss was up there for a while. Lizzie Gonzalez had another good race, and she was kind of even Farringer, Becca Farringer, I know um, was right in that group as well. So there was there was definitely a group that she was a part of for a lot of the race until she was able to make her way into almost no man's land, and then just sort of time trial for a while. Yeah, the battle for second was super dynamic. We had so many lead changes. Like Nuss was in front, and then Mani was in front, and then you know uh, 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 Monroe was back. Uh, Lizzie Gonzalez was in second, so she was in second the whole first lap. Like she was the one chasing Rochette. So uh, I mean, if that was the race, 
you know, and I think they did a good job of of broadcasting it and showing it. Like the the race for second was was pretty awesome uh, in this one, and you know, Mani eventually got a little bit of a gap on on Monroe after Monroe had attacked, and then she like slipped out trying to remount her bike, and I think that just kind of like shocked her a little bit because Mani was able to get like the smallest of gaps uh, and hold it the rest of the way, but it certainly was. You know, second place was very much uh, on offering for that entire last lap uh, for for Maddie Monroe. Anything else we should say about this women's race? I, I do want to talk about a little bit about the the series as a whole, but maybe we'll just save that until after we talk to the men's race. It's the men's race. Uh, I you know I <laughs> I've been waiting. I've wanted to I've wanted to use the sickos meme. I love the sickos meme. My uh, my fellow co-host from Nowhere Fast, which you should listen to the latest episode because it's great. And the next episode is going to be even better. I can guarantee it. But co-host Mike Swart introduced me to that. I think it's hilarious. I plopped Kerry Werner's name on there. I mean, was there with those conditions like on that course like? Carrie, what what is it like? Uh, it's like a a pig in in slop or whatever. I mean, could anyone have been more excited for that race than Carrie Werner was for Sunday's race? Doesn't he always say that? Isn't it like Bambi on ice? Isn't that his his thing? I think, but I think pig and slop. Yes, I think that's correct. Okay, I mean, I just I feel like with those conditions, it was like. If Kerry Werner did not break his now six-race second-place streak, I think that he would have been really disappointed. And I was really excited going in. Um, and I was actually kind of surprised that he he kind of like – he was the early pacemakers, he'd say. Like he went to the front, uh, and it seemed like to me, Bill, you were there, it seemed like he had that first half of that course was just vibing with that that part of the course throughout the race. Yeah, he was looking really good coming around there just to the camels for the first time, sort of leading the charge, bringing up the pace. It was it was kind of funny. The um, uh, you know, we saw an early sort of early indication of how the some of the rest of the race would be in there. I think uh, Powers uh, calling out Caleb Swartz, who was actually Andrew Strohmeyer, who was uh, doing a little doing a little sneaking around and a little maybe um, maybe. Maybe the reason they weren't as stoked on him before, he was definitely uh, getting in some good chops there to move his way up. But he's small, and he can fit through little small uh, areas. But it was uh, a lot of fighting for position and a lot of staying out of trouble, I think, because in those conditions, it, it was it really was, it's, you know, it's bowling pins. If one person goes down and you're 5th through 10th, then, then you're done. You know, you're 30 seconds back right, right from just somebody screw up because it's just this is going to clog up the whole track so it was some good some really good aggressive racing in that first lap and that's one reason i'm really optimistic about andrew strohmeyer and bill you've made this point like he thrives in these conditions and these were the kind of stuff that we could see in the winter in belgium you know these are the kind of stuff where he he can be successful but there was one pass that he made he was in fourth and he just like it was it was kind of like a corner into a steep drop and he just dive bomb curtis and someone else and just passed two dudes at once and i was like oh snap and then he he went on the inside on the first descent into the uh the camel section and just took over first it was like hello Hi, hi, Andrew Strohmeyer. Um, but then, yeah, after the race, he was just kind of like, "Yeah, I don't know, really know what I was doing. I was just out there, and and I just compelled me to go to the front, and uh, I ended up there." Because, but he also said it's one of those races where if you're not at the front, you are putting yourself in a potential situation of of losing the race because of someone else's mistake. And he was just like, "I got to be up there," uh, and you'll you'll love to see it from a young kid. 
Yeah, and he's 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 got a little Clara Hansinger in in his uh in his question answering uh delivery where you sort of like I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking inside of my head. He was like, "Oh, hey, this might I've only been doing a couple of elite races and now now I'm all right. Now I'm on the front. Well, I've never done this before. This is kind of cool. Let's see how this goes." <laughs> so, and uh <laughs> it went it went fine for about half a lap and then he actually uh slid. The one thing that I I did like seeing from him is he uh you know, he, he came off of the, the pit two side of the, I, I don't know how to say the, but the, the barrier side of the plank side of the, of the camel and, um, just got it wrong and went down and just slid out, but was able to get back on his bike, wasn't flustered at all and actually held on to his, his second place spot. But, you know, that's where Kerry was able to get by him, but it was, it was kind of, kind of some nice, just, you know, kept his shit together and was able to get right back in there. So spoiler alert, it was 2019 all over again. Carrie and Curtis. I think we saw a lot of I think we saw in this battle, I think we saw the growth of Curtis White as a technical rider. Um, I mean, I think that no even he was the be the first to admit that Carrie just had like an absolute advantage over him, especially in conditions like this. Uh Curtis was at the front, even after Carrie went to the front with three to go Curtis was right there and in, in his interview Kerry was like I turned around with two to go and Curtis was still there and I was like oh shit I might not be able to drop him I might lose this race like Kerry I think was legitimately concerned that Curtis was was just mixing up sticking his wheel and I think that's you know been a story with him as Curtis has worked really 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 hard on his his technical ability and I, I thought we saw like a substantial improvement from him uh, up until you know, two to go. And I mean, even in the last, the penultimate lap, when things happened, you know, he was still right there, right behind Kerry, even as Kerry was really turning the screws on him. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's, that's great. You know, it, to go back to Magli Rochette, that's, that's actually one of the questions that I asked, asked her after the race and you know, she ran away with us. It really wasn't a, a difficult win for her but you know much like she was saying in day one where she was kind of treating this as a world cup i asked her i was like well okay you know no offense but the knock on magalie rochette when she goes to to europe is that she can't race as well in in conditions like we saw out here today like muddy conditions and is is did you push yourself during this race to make it harder did you try to take risks did you try to do those things and she she was like yeah you know that was that was part of today's drill you know to try to to not to hold back in those areas and try to go harder to be able to excel in the conditions that she doesn't necessarily do as well. And I think that Curtis is the same way, you know, since he has been a kind of a, I think a psychological nightmare for a lot of riders, because it is that type of thing where it's not, it's, it's not a tractor pull. It's not what we saw in Fayetteville. It is truly just technical off camber, slippery 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 riding where you have to trust your equipment you have to trust your skills and if you hesitate or if you try to just sort of like you know tiptoe through areas you go backwards you know you have to be you have to somehow be aggressive yet have have the confidence that you're not going to crash but be okay with it if you do and i think that's that's what we're seeing from curtis now where I think that in, in years past, those skills and that confidence wasn't there where he would be kind of a little bit hesitant and let those gaps go. And he just was having none of it on this day. 
Yeah. So, I mean, Carrie ultimately got away. I mean, they talked about putting each other under pressure. Curtis had a good quote. He's like, you know, I put Carrie under pressure 12 times and he put me under pressure 13. Uh, and it was kind of that that cool section along the lake. Love that. Very Euro. And with the broadcast, we got to see it. Super Euro, but really the only respite of any sort besides the start finish straight on this course from the the sheer just uh, scariness and uh, in in instability of these of this course. Um, but he kind of went into the the course tape, and I think at that point uh, it was kind of over. But you know, even up until that point, Kerry was really up in the pace, and like Curtis was still only in that one or two seconds behind him. Certainly still in the mix. Definitely one slipped rear tire or whatever from Kerry of of being back in the game, and like Kerry said, making making it a race. Um, so. I mean, I don't know. It was really neat neat to see. I mean, I was excited for Kerry. I think that he talked about... Uh, he did what I think we've always been pushing for. He kind of made it a thing like that he was frustrated by finishing second so many times, and he put it out on social. And he said he had so many people cheering him on and like urging him on at the race because they saw that. So I think that... Yeah, I like that. It made it more interesting. I think fans there probably had a more vested interest in seeing Kerry succeed. And you know, I thought that was really neat to hear him reflect that from the, from the crowd there. When I talked to him after the race, one thing that I did have to ask him about, and if there was any just kind of like gremlin still in his head from the day before, did you see what he did on the pen ultimate lap at the plant? Uh, he hopped the first one and then got off his bike. Hmm. And did you see the angle that he took on that lap compared to the other laps? No. Was it the, super was it inside? The ins- oh, inside line. Exactly. I was like, I, I was just, I was like, what were you doing? doing i was like this was a carbon cop was eric bruner like in your head on that lap and he was like oh dude we're going much slower i knew i could take that angle it was fine but yeah he completely got it wrong but was able to save it and dismount between between planks after riding the first and then running the second but gap big enough that it wasn't wasn't going to be an issue wasn't that like sort of revisiting like the scene of an accident where you sort of have to like get over those demons (laughs) and so he was trying to figure out a way to sort of, you know, learn that inside line. I just want, want, I I want to make a comment about the course just from the live stream. It's amazing, Bill, you're talking about the sort of the type of rider you have to be, the skills to have on that course. And I was like, yeah, it totally clicked with me. That's why I like that watching that venue. But it's, it's so interesting because you see the riders dismount for things on the live stream. And you're like, what are they dismounting for? Like, it's like a flat turn. And like they dismount and you've seen riders going down. It's just so it's so interesting how the camera foreshortening can can flatten things out. And I, I just I like add that list, that race to like a list of ones I want to go to because it just seems like a cool venue. Yeah, even in the previews when I'm shooting them, I'm basically trying to be like on the ground just to show, you know, and I always put Jeremy like far away. I was like, OK, we, we have to try to show that these these aren't <laughs> just flat, that there's some some true elevation here. Uh, yeah, since he's definitely, I will, uh, is definitely a, a must go to for me next year. Uh, guys, can we talk about really like, uh, really Deerfield Township, Zach? <laughs> I was looking Fair. even on their signage, they do say Cincy, but I don't know if that's new or old, but it's so funny because I always ask uh, Scott uh, Herman, who who's very specific about, about uh, you know, where the location of the race is. Yeah. Guys, so I tried to get like, you know, we're all about stats. We're all about numbers here. And I tried to I tried to appeal to the higher power that is Cyclocross 24, um, <laughs> you know, to try to get an answer to this. And I, I never got a response. But uh, I feel like I'm willing to bet that Kerry Werner is the first ever rider to turn in a very nice 
win uh, in a UCI race wearing number 69. And here's here's the here's why because typically for most races so the only other races I'm seeing it be a possibility for is an elite women's world cup. And here's why because you always have like the Alanda Neffs and the PFPs and maybe some other the EV Richards who are coming in their their uh, country's ranking is terrible. So they're getting those low numbers. I'm thinking of like a Namur a Zolder where there's like 150 women in the race. So I would say that that's the only other time I would say that has the potential for a number. And we didn't get an answer. I feel like the person I should have asked was results boy, Colin Reuter. Folks, I, I think we might need to get on this and try to get an answer to this question. So why why was he on 69 on day two? He had started number one on day one. So here's what happened. Uh, most of the riders got the word, and maybe it wasn't, well communicated maybe it wasn't you know curtis and actually lance also didn't didn't get the get the memo that you were supposed to keep your numbers so they were they just wanted to hand out one set of numbers and then you were supposed to keep those and wear them for day two as well curtis i mean not curtis carey and lance were the two i know of who didn't do that there probably were more in the field and they went up to pick up their numbers on day two and and the registrar was like we don't have numbers for you but here i have you know the last number on the grid is, I think it was like 60 or 61. So I have available from you 62 to 70. You can choose one of those numbers and Carrie's like, is it even a question? Give me 69. So uh-huh. that's <laughs> and because I thought it was just like happenstance. So I add, that was my first question. I asked him, I was like, so can we talk about the number? I mean, I get it out now. He's like, yeah, of course we're going to talk about the number. <laughs> um, uh-huh. And, uh, and and then the funny thing is that Lance came up afterwards and was pissed off because 69 was already gone. Oh, yeah, I mean, 68, 70, who cares? I mean, maybe you could make something of being like 66 and throw an extra six on there. But right. I mean, there's only one number in that that area that matters. Yeah. But yeah, he was he was very proud of, of, of that number choice. And I think he feels like it gave him gave him good luck. I have another question for you guys going to uh, Kit Corner. Uh, so Kerry's got a couple of kits. He's got the uh, he. We saw the white Pan Am's kit on Saturday. Good choice, wearing it on the drier day. Um, but he's got kind of this interesting team kit that he did, where he's kind of incorporated the Pan Am uh, logo kind of into this kit, which I like. But I really like that Pan Am's white kit. I think that's a phenomenal kit. It stands out. It gives it some some oomph to see riders wearing that, especially in Europe. What are you guys' thoughts on on Kerry's kit, and which one do you like more? I wasn't wasn't there wasn't there the I, I like the white one I like both of them but it, didn't he get him and Magali wasn't there some rumor that they got told that they had to wear their Pan Am kits I believe that was why because no one knew who Magali was on Saturday because she showed you know she's riding around in this white kit it was like oh wait that's that's her because she hasn't worn it all season she has this in the same way uh, she has this Canadian kit that is sort of incorporated into her Rafa. Um, right. I mean, design. she so. she mixed it up during the cyclocross, you know, stage race. She would kind of change okay. it. So I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'll white. Yeah, the, the most ridiculous color for cyclocross. You should wear it at all times. But I mean, I think it's. I guess you know, maybe it's a bit of a sponsor thing. But it's it's also well, it's also it's one of those things that this has been going on for years now for the European federation it's up to the federation to make the rules for how their the kit order 
goes. Like I think the UCI says, you know, you can basically choose between your um, nas- national kit and your uh, pan or um, regional kit, um, championship kit. So the European Federation said, no dice. We don't care about your national championships you're going to wear wear the euro champs kit and if you won the euro champs kit and you're not world champion you have to wear it you know that's it no no bones about it for kapachi i believe they were thinking about changing that rule to say the same thing and have been thinking about it now for i believe three years or more where they were going to make the change i don't think they ever did so i think that North American, South American athletes, whomever is in that position, have have the choice. They can wear either their national champs kit or the Pan Ams kit. They have to wear one or the other. Uh, the, the other interesting thing is that the U.S. really cracked down on kit design like they're supposed to. I mean, the UCI, again, also says, here is the template for your national that the, your federation has. You have to have your kit in this template, you know, where they can make a change. And for a while, their USA cycling was very strict. Um for a while there, they weren't strict at all. And we had things like rock racing and Tyler Hamilton's national kit, which was just amazing. And all this other crazy stuff where those stars and the stripes were all over the place. Uh, and then they were like, no, you got to follow the template in the last couple of years. And that's what they did. And then we had these very uniform, you know, um, us champs kiss where it's kind of funny because, you know, we hit, we had to make one for a couple of our riders as well. And everybody's like, that's a really slick looking kit. That design, you just killed the design. Like, Thank you. We took the USA cycling template that everybody's supposed to use. And you get it from the, you people hear it all the time. They're like, you're, you're, you're national champ. That's, we love it. It's classic. It's clean. It looks great. It was like, yeah, because that's, that's the one you're supposed to use. And that's in the rules. I thought Canada had the same thing. Evidently, they don't give a crap about cyclocross because Vandenham and uh, and Magley just kind of do whatever they want, and it's cool. And they usually come up with great designs. But it's it's kind of funny that um, Steph Wyman used to be the the national kit cop. He would just complain <laughs> about everybody's because 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 uh, um, the British national champs kit is so boring and he hated that he could never do anything different with right. Ellen's national champs kids that he was just like uh, jealous and defiant and, and just gonna like go to every other federation and go, Hey, you guys aren't playing by the rules. So he was, he was, I know he did that for many kids that were not, it was usually the U S he was like, why don't, why don't the Americans have to follow the rules? And I think that was usually the thing. So, because we, yeah, because they don't care about us. I, I will say, all like, right, I there's seen, 20 there minutes have, in Kit Corner. <laughs> I mean, there have some, but, but there are some, like, I, I was making this point. I think the Cannondale version of the National Champs kit is phenomenal. I think that I, I made this point. Like, it is just the colors, the, the colors so of good. the blue and the stars. I mean, that to me is like the platonic ideal of a National Champs kit. And it looks, it looks amazing on Hyde. It looks amazing on, on Clara. Big fan. Um, so yeah, Clara looks extra good because she wears the white socks too. That's uh, so good, so pro. I think white socks, black shoes. Anyway, yeah, I, I love Clara's kit. Wow, sorry, I did not me- know that we were gonna. We we're doing all kinds of corners here uh, today, uh, but I think uh, I don't know. It's it's been a long USX. Should we maybe we should should we revisit the USCX series next week? Uh, I think uh, we're kind of on time. I think we should, uh, yeah. uh, you know, call it a day. We are on yeah. time. I, I will leave. I will end on this little teaser for our bigger conversation next week. And what, what 
you all uh, listening to this can kind of discuss at home. And then if you have any counterpoints, you can bring up and, and send to us. Uh, Carolyn Mani, um, oh, well, first off, let's just get this piece of business out of the way. Uh, the unofficial USCX payout went out today. Uh, everybody, we, we ended up, thank you to all of you. Thank you to the, mainly to the CX Series Bulletin readers. Uh, I was walking in the field at, uh, in, at Cincinnati, looking at the course and, uh, Joe from Joe's, Joe's bike shop was like, here's a hundred bucks and handed me a hundred bucks. Um, put it, put it into the unofficial payout. So we, we got boosted up to, we paid out 150 for the winner. 100 for second place and 50 for third place uh, other than Vinny, which maybe I'll just give him some U.S. dollars if I see him in Europe in January. Every, everything has, has been paid out uh, to, to, the, to the winners. So uh, thank you very much for contributing to that. And me saying it here is just about as much marketing as the series did um, in general. So uh, I, I will just leave it with this one nugget to go out on is that Carolyn Manny won the series her bike sponsor Fuji Bike was congratulating Carolyn on winning the USA Cycling Pro CX Series Pro CX not USCX Pro CX Series so that right there should tell you work has to be done And with that, we'll see you next time. And hang in there, kids.